This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, I'm back after a fantastic week in San Diego for the Blueberry Convention. It was so great to see so many of you there, and as always, great to get together in person to share what's happening in this industry. And one highlight was a presentation by Robo Research Food and Agribusiness VP and Senior Analyst David Magania. David talked about macro trends impacting the blueberry industry. His insights were very relevant to everyone in blueberry. So I asked if he would join me for an interview to share this information with all of you. David is responsible for covering and analyzing the U.S. and North America fresh fruit and vegetable industries for Rabobank. David, thank you for joining me on the business of blueberries. Hi, Casey. Thank you for the opportunity. Happy to be here. Well, before we jump into, you know, what you shared last week and, and the things that uh, I know a lot of folks had a lot of great things to say about your uh, presentation, just in terms of what you had to share. And then, of course, diving into the specific as it relates to blueberries. Before we dive into the macro trends, why don't you tell us a little bit about your work and what led you to your current position there at Rabobank? I'm part of the Rabo Research Group. We're a, a group of more than 80 analysts around the globe, and we specialize in certain segments of the food value chain. So I'm part of the fresh produce team. So my focus is on fruits and tree nuts in North America. So I know a little bit about agriculture. I mean, I grew up on a farm in uh, central Mexico, and then I went to an ag school in in Mexico as well, and then I got a couple of graduate degrees on ag economics in uh, Texas A&M. So I've been involved in agriculture all my life, and for the past five years, I've been in the in my current position with travel. Well, David, I appreciate you being with me today, I, and I really appreciated your presentation in San Diego. I know that I'm not alone in what people were able to take away from that, but I wanted to bring some of those insights to this podcast you know, for our audience here, you know, one of the things you talked about in terms of economic circumstances that we're all facing is inflation, which is on the minds of, of a lot of us. So I thought we'd start there, you know, just having you talk a, a bit about what you described in terms of what's driving inflation and how long we can expect this sort of environment to last. The inflation that we've been facing lately is the result of uh, the collision of two massive forces. On the one side, we see an increase in demand for food and for different type of food, given that uh, middle class continues to stand. And on the other hand, we see on the supply side, some of the challenges that have been for years, such as labor constraints and on some new ones that have come to become a true challenge over the past few years, such as logistical challenges. And if on top of that, we have the pandemic, and also we have the war in Eastern Europe, those events continue to have ripple effects across the industry. And now we've seen that reflected in the form 
of elevated inflation for the past two years. So just a year ago, many economists were debating if this inflation was going to be transitory or not. Now we know the answer. Uh, we've been facing elevated inflation for more than two years, and that comes from both the supply side and also the demand side. Well, and maybe you could be you're kind of specifically, if we could talk about just how you see inflation impacting blueberries. Well, that's an, an interesting one. It's extremely difficult to disentangle all the different variables that impact consumer demand for uh, one specific commodity. But one thing that we know for sure is that income clearly influences purchases of uh, fresh blueberries. So therefore, the vast part of the berry purchases may not be impacted much because the disposable income of more affluent uh, consumers that tend to buy berries is relatively less affected. But we've seen consumers are buying less often, and particularly the impact may be felt on the growing segment. Those consumers that were buying blueberries for the first time or not so often, and now probably they are deciding not to buy as much or as frequent because of purchasing power has been eroding and now they're trying to search value when they go to the store. It's hard to tell the bottom line uh, on the impact because we have different segments of consumers that behave in a different way, but we've seen a uh, uh, decline demand for some segments of the fruit aisle. Well, you know, there's probably some more that I would love to kind of pull out just in terms of how you see inflation affecting outside investments in, in the produce industry. How do you see the relationship of people looking at the ag industry as an investment uh, during a period of time like this? One aspect that is uh, impacting investment decision is definitely rising interest rates. I mean, interest rates are expected to continue to increase at least one more time this year, probably more. And on the supply side, we can probably highlight a few bright spots that will benefit the industry or is benefiting the outlook for the industry. One of that is logistics have been improving and also fertilizer costs is down from very elevated levels in 2022. So this should help on the cost side of things. But definitely in terms of investment in the industry in particular, it's becoming increasingly challenging because of uh, comprising margins. And this is the result of increasing cost and also more competitive environment on the consumer side as demand has been growing faster than demand over the past few years. Well, in your talk last week, you did talk about black swans and gray rhinos. And uh, I wanted to take some time here to maybe have you unpack, explain what those are and why that's relevant to this topic. Yes, about uh, black swans and gray rhinos, those are actual terms that refer to a specific type of events. Those were some new terminology to some people. They even asked me if I was making that up. But uh, that is uh, 
actual terms that have been coined over the time. For example, a black swan is an unpredictable event that has is beyond what is normally expected and has potentially severe consequences, right? Example of those is uh, the global financial crisis of 2008, 2009, the 2014 oil crisis, Brexit, and things like that. And on the other hand, we have the gray rhinos that are probable events uh, with a great deal of impact, but uh, are typically ignored. So this is something that you see coming, but you decide to minimize or definitely ignore. And some of these tend to materialize. And some examples of these are geopolitics, monetary policy of central banks. So we saw that coming. And also the uh, role of sustainability in the industry and the adoption of new technologies. And all these events uh, definitely have an impact on what we do and how we do it. And uh, the blueberry industry is obviously no exception. Sure. Well, as, as we look forward here, uh, you know, kind of with all this in mind, what, what do you see as the economic outlook for 2023 and beyond? Well, in terms of inflation, uh, inflation is expected to remain elevated in 2023 and uh, likely to decline in 2024. Keep in mind that many economists are uh, confident that uh, inflation is going to go down because it's just a uh, rate of change. And given that we are already facing elevated prices, the likelihood that you see not, those prices not going too much higher is considerable. So uh, we're expecting that probably inflation in 2024 is in a, in a better position. On the other hand, we have that economic growth prospects are not too rosy for 2023, given that consumer confidence is down, given this uh, inflationary environment and also increasing interest rates. So overall, if you see the estimates for US GDP growth, that's uh, marginally positive in some cases. And some economists are still expecting a recession by the second half of 2023, some of them uh, expect that that's going to last, it's not going to last long or it's not going to be too deep. So I hope they are right on that one. And one positive aspect is that the consensus is that by 2024, the economy should start recovering globally. So that should help with the demand for, for blueberries in 2024. But in 2023, probably still some challenging environment on the demand side as consumers are expected to continue trading down and searching for value. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and yeah, I know you and I joked, <laughs> I think we joked, I think you joked that we could spend two to three hours to get through all of the kind of important economic insights. So needless to say, we've got a lot more to dive in here. But before we do, it's time for our crop report. The domestic season is just getting started and we still have reports coming in from Mexico, Chile and Peru. And so here once again is your blueberry crop report. It's time now for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today you'll hear from Andres Armstrong in Chile, Luis Vegas in Peru, and Mario Ramirez in Mexico. This was recorded on March 15th, 2023. 
This is Andres Armstrong from the Chilean Blueberry Community. This is the Chilean crop report at the end of the season uh, up to March, March 15. Chile ended the season with a late beginning and an early ending compared to previous seasons. This was expected uh, and reported before the beginning of the season as supply from other countries has been increasing. Chilean fr fresh exports decreased by 18% compared to the previous season and the forecast before the beginning of the season was only 9% less volume. The forecast was mainly driven by a shorter period, period of export and leaving more older varieties for other uses different for fresh exports, improving our variety mix. The process industry reported receiving also less fruit compared to the last season, approximately 3% less fruit compared to a 14% increase forecast. So finally, approximately 20% less production this season. Three major reasons for this. First, there was hail and freezes in November that impacted production significantly. Then an early and faster ripening process in the main production areas in central Chile produced berries with lower size and weight. Finally, heat over normal affected harvesting in the central south region impacting the available fruit for exports. Total fresh export from Chile was finally 193 million pounds in total. As I mentioned before, 18% less compared to the previous season. Major markets were the US and Canada with 99 million pounds and 19% less and 51% share of exports. Next came Europe with 70 million pounds, 18% less and 36% share in exports. Asia, had 22 million pounds, 14% less, and 11% share of export. The remaining 2 million pounds were shipped to Latin America and the Middle East. Approximately, we maintain our share in the different markets. Regarding organics, fresh organic exports was finally 30 million pounds of total. Main markets were the US with 22 million pounds, and 15% less volume compared to the previous season and 73% share. Europe had 8 million pounds with 3% less comp compared to the previous seasons and 27% share of exports. This is our last report from Chile. The, we had a shorter season um, beginning late and, and ending early. Uh, and we're looking forward to having a better season next year. Thank you very much. Hello, this is Luis with the latest crop report from Peru until the end of week 10, which is the week ending on March 12. Until week 10 of the season, uh, Peru has shipped a total of 624 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide. From this total volume, 53% has been shipped to the US, 31% to Europe, 13% to China, and 2% to other destinations. From the total volume shipped, 12% have been organics. What happened during week 10? Well, a total of 2 million pounds of fresh blueberries have been shipped from Peru. 80% of this volume has been sent to the US with approximately 1.6 million pounds, which are expected to arrive at the US market during the last week of March.
16% of the volume shipped has been sent to Europe, and a reminder, 4% to other destinations, including Brazil, Canada, Costa Rica, Dubai, El Salvador, Hong Kong, Panama, Singapore, Thailand, and Uruguay. Regarding the cutoff dates of the Peruvian season, uh, well, the end of season 22-23 is going to be accounted on week 17, and the beginning of season 23-24 is going to be accounted on week 18. Peru ships blueberries uh, every week of the year. However, it's important to point out that the main part of our season occurs during the months of uh, September, October, and November. Uh, just to give a, a general idea, 50% of the overall volume shipped from Peru uh, is shipped in September and October. And 90% of the volume shipped throughout the season is shipped between August and December. Hi everyone, here Mario with the Mexican Blueberry Report for week number 10 of 2023. During week 10, Mexico exported a total volume of 8,640,000 pounds of fresh blueberries. And from this, around 6%, 302,000 pounds were exported to destinations in Europe and Asia with Netherlands, United Kingdom, and Japan as the main destinations. And 8,338,000 pounds was exported to the United States. 12% of this volume was organic blueberries, around 1 million pounds of organic fresh blueberries. This week, the volume grossed 3%, respecting week 9. And for the frozen blueberries, Mexico exported 16% more volume, respecting previous week. The total exported of frozen blueberries was 100,700 pounds, representing the 4% of the total United States importations of frozen blueberries over week number 10. The weather for the harvest is great because the winter has gone and the climate is really good for the production. The center region is almost at its maximum capacity. And the North region is beginning the production, so we'll reach the production peak in the coming few weeks. That's all in my report. Thank you very much. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry, including USDA shipping price and movement, retail category performance, Nielsen monthly retail sales reports, and much, much more. Make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Okay, let's get back to today's episode with David Magania. David, we talked about some daunting forces right just before the crop report, inflation, interest rates, black swans. Should we be worried? Are there reasons for optimism in this economic environment we're looking at right now? Definitely. It's been a uh challenging time. For example, 2022 was the perfect storm in, in many industries, given the elevated cost of inputs, uh, all the logistic bottlenecks, and, uh, and some of the factors that we already discussed in this uh, conversation. But at this point, uh, let's highlight a couple of bright spots on the supply side that will help operators in the, in the industry. So the first one is fertilizer cost that was uh, elevated in 2022 because of the disruptions that happened in uh, Russia, Ukraine, 
So compared to those elevated levels, the price of ferry diesel for 2023 should be double digits down. So we've seen a significant decline on ferry diesel cost, and that should help with the profitability for the growers. Also, one more aspect is that transportation costs, either in the form of uh, national trucking spot or container spot rates, those have continuously improved over the past few years. So all else equal, this should help with uh, margins for uh, marketers and exporters. And what is more important, we saw that reefer container rates are down for the first time in almost three years. So uh, that's a positive development. And this is due to two factors, right? One is positive and is increased capacity, as many of these companies have uh, invested to increase capacity for transportation. And the other one is not so positive and is lower demand for container rates. And uh, that's the downside. So given this combination, now container rates are declining. But still, some of these operators that contracted container rates for one or two years when these uh, container rates were elevated, they will still be paying more than spot rates at this point unless they are able to recontact to make a new contract, right? So that can be another source of uh, inflation in the next few months. And also one other aspect related to logistics, the percentage of on-time arrivals of container ships continues to improve. Still is below pre-pandemic levels, but uh, definitely much better compared to what it was in February 2021. So what this means is all else equal, uh, better quality fruit arriving at uh, destination markets, and that should help with the quality uh, and eating experience for consumers. Okay. Well, an- another area that I, I wanted to touch on because you you highlighted it in your presentation is just about frozen, you know, and, and the kind of optimism that it seemed you were indicating there that I thought you could share with our industry as to where you see the frozen blueberry market going based on what you see in the data. Mm-hmm. So first off, uh, one positive aspect is that uh, frozen uh, blueberries are the fastest frozen fruit in terms of availability in the U.S. So uh, still quite below from the levels for strawberries, but is the fastest growing category, which is good. Now, obviously, there are some cycles in this market. And uh, over the past year or two, prices have been improving. And uh, we're expecting uh, that uh, this cycle of good prices continues uh, for the next year or two. And one aspect that is positive about this is the demand for smoothies. And now more consumers are buying frozen blueberries. And one thing that I also mentioned during the presentation is the demographic changes in, in the U.S. and how the centennials, not only the millennials, but also the centennials, are now 
bringing their own preferences and shaping the future of uh, what they will be demanding. And smoothies, and definitely berry smoothies, blueberry smoothies, is one that uh, is likely to be favored by this generation uh, now, given that as they enter the workforce and they will be making decisions on how, on what to buy and what to eat. And this, in my opinion, is a good opportunity for the industry as the millennials adopted the avocado toast as some of their favorites. I think the, the centennials can adopt uh, all things blueberry as part of their uh, favorite uh, things to eat. Well, that's what we're counting on. I know between our health research, you know, platform and and really the halo that we've had around blueberries for a long time that that that's going to continue to pay dividends as we continue to invest in more and more health research and of course promote that health research. So, your talk about describing blueberries as going through a transformation. And so, you know, I wanted to kind of have you unpack that a little bit. Can you talk about what that shift is and how you see that for blueberries? Yes, over the past decade, we've seen a significant transformation of the industry. One of the aspects is increased availability of fresh blueberries in the U.S. market. And if we look at uh, blueberries as compared to the dynamics in other fruits, we see that it's one of the fastest growing fruits in terms of per capita availability, only surpassed by raspberries. However, raspberries the base is much lower compared to blueberries. So this increase in availability has come more like from the import side, given that domestic production over the past decade has grown almost 50% accumulated growth for the decade. But U.S. imports have increased more than 200% during the same time. So that has led to an increase of close to 150% in terms of availability for the past decade. And this has now allowed to have more consistent availability of uh, fresh blueberries in the U.S. market. But this trend is not exclusive to blueberries. We've seen that trend of more imports also in raspberries, mandarins, lemons, and of course, avocados and, and oranges as well. I don't know if this is much of a, a supply push or demand pull, but the fact is that, that we have consumers demanding year round and the industry has been able to respond to that increase in demand. And this is what is been pushing per capita availability, the fact that now is not only a summer fruit, but is uh, year-round. And new generations, they are used to that. When they go to the store, they are expecting to see good quality blueberries every single week. Well, and, and I think this ties to what I know you know our vision is at USHBC, which is to empower the industry to make blueberries the world's favorite fruit. You shared last week a slide talking about the top 20 fruits in the U.S. Blueberries is number seven, by the way, on that list. And, and that was based on household penetration rate, which we focus on. We focus on, and I think what was interesting about your stat, and, and I would have to go back and look at what the source was, but 
you know, you were about 10 points lower on yours. I think we were recently, and it might've been just a three-month survey for our UNA showed about a 51% household penetrate. You're showing a 43%. So uh, bananas, apples, strawberries, grapes, oranges, watermelon, and then blueberries. Strawberries was showing at 58%, so quite a bit higher in the category uh, in terms of household penetration rate than we are. And we point to that a lot. Now, statistics we've seen is pushing strawberries more closer to 70 or over 70% household penetration rate. But regardless, right, the, the idea is the same, is that there's a gap, a runway, an opportunity between where blueberries sits today in that, in that area of household penetration and where a berry like strawberries sits versus apples versus bananas. And, and the characteristics, the nutritional value, the benefits of blueberries just sitting at the seventh position today in the US. And, and you know, we're looking at the globe. So maybe you could just give us your thoughts on, on that ambition from your perspective. You know, is it unrealistic to imagine blueberries as the world's favorite fruit? Well, that, that's a good ambition. And uh, going back to these statistics that I showed, I showed that and I acknowledge that probably these numbers are on the lower side of the spectrum and this is just one estimate and i agree with you that uh, blueberries uh, should be a little bit over 50 percent whereas strawberries about 70 uh, percent but we've seen that gap to continue to narrow and i am um, Probably in terms of volume, it's not possible, for example, to have the same volume as lower economically dense uh, fruits such as bananas. But still, what this table shows is a lot of room for growth. And um, particularly one important point is to see in terms of the share of the budget that consumer is allocating to a specific fruit. And I think in that way, blueberries will continue to improve. Well, it is ambitious. We are uh, certainly striving for that top uh, spot in terms of looking at global interest in blueberries, the opportunity ahead for blueberries. And I certainly appreciate you sharing a little bit about your optimism for blueberries today. So, you know, as we kind of wrap up our conversation here, David, you know, is there anything else that, that you'd like to share from last week's presentation or that you didn't get to share from last week's presentation that you'd like to share with our audience today? I will conclude by admitting that uh, this is uh, a challenging environment because we have a lot of constraints either on the labor, water, land regulation. And on top of that, we have to, as an industry, still meet consumer expectations as uh, consumers, they want uh, high quality, but they want it to be also affordable, right? But um, one aspect to keep in mind is innovation has always been the answer to all the challenges that uh, agriculture has faced over the centuries. I don't want to go too much about like what Thomas Malthus was saying more than 200 years ago, that we would not be able to produce enough food for a growing population. We've seen that that's possible and we cannot not only produce enough food, but we can produce nutritious food that also tastes good, such as blueberries. And for this now, innovation in the form of uh, genetics, automation, robotics, and mechatronics will continue to be part of the solution and the answer for these challenging times for the industry. 
again, it was a great time in San Diego. Really appreciate not just David's presentation, but we had so many great educational sessions. And so thank you to those who participated in our program and being a part of our convention last week. Hats off to my team. They did a fantastic job hosting almost a record-breaking crowd. I don't know if we've got the final numbers, but almost 350 people joining us last week in San Diego. It was a really, really great convention and our first. So I hope more people are considering joining us. Uh, We announced we're going to be going to Savannah this fall. So be sure to check out our events page at blueberryevents.org for more information about how you can attend our next event in Savannah. We're excited about that. And again, thank you to our exhibitors. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Convention was a really great experience and it wouldn't have been possible without all of you. So that's it for episode 131. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Thank you.